would you give me a big shout real quick? Because I want to know where you're at. I want to, we'll go one, two, three, and then you shout as loud as you can, okay? One, two, three. Where? Okay, they are here. They are here. I'm so glad you're here, and I want to talk to you guys just as much as I'm talking to the adults this morning. I'm going to move this because I just feel like I'm impeded by it. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been trapped? You've ever been trapped. Anyone ever been trapped before? You've been trapped. You've been stranded. You couldn't go somewhere. Maybe you haven't been trapped as much as these people were trapped. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we read about a people who were in a city and they were under attack. And King Ben-Hadad from Syria and his army was all around the city. And he wanted to do bad things to the people who were inside that city. In fact, not just bad things, he wanted to kill the people inside. My three-year-old would probably say, that's not very nice. No, it's not. Imagine not being able to go out of your house. Imagine being completely confined, and it, there are people outside who just wanted to get you. Not very nice. Let me ask you another question. Have you ever been really hungry? I mean, super, super hungry. Maybe not so hungry as these people were. They were starving. They were so hungry in that city that they were eating things that you never even thought of eating. In fact, they were eating things that you would probably pay lots and lots and lots of money not to eat. We don't want to eat that stuff. This is not good. See, what was happening was people in the city were running out of food. They were running out of food because to get food, they had to go outside of the city walls and travel far away and cart food back to the city. That's how they got their food. That's actually how we get a lot of our food. It comes in on trucks and trains and planes and all that sort of stuff. But because there was an army out there, they couldn't get any food. No food. And food was running out. Some of you adults, you've heard of this thing called supply and demand. You know what happens when supply is short, the price tag goes way, way, way up. These people were paying lots and lots of money for things that you would not even imagine eating. Imagine going to the grocery store, and the only thing on the store shelves to buy was donkey heads. Donkey heads. Have you ever eaten a donkey head? I have not eaten donkey head. I have no desire to eat a donkey head. I don't even know what part of the donkey head you actually eat. That is gross. And here's the thing. These donkey heads cost lots and lots of money. Can you believe it? They cost 80 shekels of silver. I, I, I just can't. I can't even. 80 shekels of silver. Can you believe? Oh, you don't know how much that is? That's the equivalent to the average person working eight years. That is a lot of money. So much money. And so if you saw someone get a donkey head, you just go, Lucky, how'd you get that donkey head? I want one. I don't have enough money. Can I come over to your house for dinner? 
Oh my gosh, they were starving. People were so hungry, they were, they were losing their minds. They were actually imagining each other between slices of bread. Can you imagine? Now look around at people next to you and imagine them inside of a burrito. Actually, let's not do that, that's a little weird. Have you ever been afraid? Really afraid? Scared, you woke up in the middle of the night and you're just like, <gasps> and you're screaming for mom or dad? Maybe not this afraid. These people were terrified. Terrified. They'd held out as long as they could. They didn't know how much longer they could keep the walls of their city up and keep those people who wanted to hurt them out. How long can we stay here? How long are we going to live? And some of them were thinking, you know what? Maybe we should try to get real brave and go outside and try to fight them. Well, we know if we do that, then we're probably not going to live very long. They're probably going to beat us because they're really big and strong. But if we stay here, we're starving. We're not going to get any food. We're probably not going to last much longer either. Let me ask you this. Which one would you choose? Oh, it's kind of like being stuck between a rock and a hard place, or it's kind of like having to choose between whether or not you want to eat peas or whether or not you want to eat corn. Either way, you know it's not a good decision. It's just you don't want either, the, right? Right? Everyone was with me on that? Let me ask you this. What if you had a third option? You don't have to go out and fight. You don't have to stay inside. What if there was a third option? And if you did this thing, maybe you might get a little bit of food to eat. There was a third option. In, King, in 2 Kings 7, verse 3, tells us there were four sick men who hung out at the gate. They were very sick. They weren't going to live much longer. They heard their doctor tell them that you have something called leprosy, and no one wants to hear their doctor say, I'm sorry, you have leprosy. Not a good thing to have. They were trapped. They were starving. They were scared. One of them all of a sudden had an idea. And we read this. Listen to this. They said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians, the bad guys. If they spare our lives, if they let us live, then we shall live. If they kill us, we shall but die. So they're basically saying this. What do we got to lose? We got nothing to lose here. We're going to get killed when they finally break down the walls, or we're going to die of starvation. Let's do this. Let's find an old sheet. Let's rip it up. Let's put it on the end of a stick. And maybe as we're walking out there, kind of trembling, maybe the archers out there from that army, maybe they will see us, see the white flag, and they'll let us live. And then maybe they'll take us prisoner and, and give us a little bit of bread to eat. Maybe we can eat a little bit. Oh, wouldn't it be good to eat? Oh, it'd be so good to eat. Makes sense, doesn't it? I'd do it, I think, maybe. And yet, here's the thing. For so many people living in our world today, they say no to option three. They say, nope, 
No way. In fact, I will die before I take that chance. Romans 1.18 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. The Bible tells us that every member of the human race is under a threat. That there is a force out there that is against us. It's unstoppable. It's bent on bringing people to justice because they refuse to acknowledge or obey the one who made them. That's what the Bible tells us. We're all in trouble. It says the wages of sin is death, right? Who said that? You, how do you know that? Someone, someone must be teaching you something. Probably Mr. Popovich or Mr. Ron Galvin. Just like the people of this Sumerian city, there was a date with death that could not be avoided. No way out. No way you could try to fight and save yourselves by your own strength, by your own dedication. You couldn't do it. And you couldn't just retreat back into the city and try to make the most of your time because, well, either way is going to end in death. But there's a third way. A third way. Third door. It's the one that says, what if we go over to the one who's threatening us and see if he will show us mercy? Listen to this. Verse 5. The four men arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, you ready for this? Behold, there was no one there. No one there. For the Lord made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses and the sound of a great army. So they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was. They fled for their lives. And listen to this. The lepers... They came to the edge of the camp. They went into a tent and ate and drank all food. Oh, yes. Some of you are getting hungry right now, right? <laughs> they ate and drank. And then they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came and entered another tent and carried off the things from it and went and hid them. Imagine the surprise of these four men. Imagine that incredible surprise when they arrived in camp. There's no one there, but there's meat sizzling over the fire. There's, there's fresh baked bread that's sitting there on the table. Maybe there, were, there was hummus and, and olives. Maybe that saffron rice and some of that really tasty white garlic sauce. Oh, it must have been so amazing. And on top of that, there was treasure. Gold and silver. There's clothing. There's everything that they ever needed. And there's way more of it. Way more of it. Who should they thank for all this stuff? Who was it that came to their rescue? Does anybody know? It was God. God came to their rescue. The same God that made a way for us to be rescued and escape the punishment of our sin. That same God. 
That not only do we get to escape that punishment, but Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, you get life. I came that you might have life. You know what? I came that you might not just have life, but ha- might have abundant, bursting forth life. A life that's marked by hope and peace and joy. A life that doesn't end when your ticker stops ticking. A life that goes on and on. A life that's not filled with mediocrity or monotony, but with excitement and wonder in paradise. That kind of life. Yes, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just think of these four men. It was so risky to go out there, but so worth it. So worth it to go out there with that white flag. Please don't hurt us. Please have mercy on us. And imagine the incredible reward that they got when they came to that enemy camp. You know, for so many of us in this room, we've made that decision. We've ripped up the sheet, we put it on a stick, and we've come trembling to our God, and we've said, you should kill us right now. Have mercy on us. And we've been forgiven. And, and we've been given life. And, and, and we found that he's so much better than we ever imagined, and even understand right now that we don't even understand how good he is. We've come to the camp. We're no longer strangers to him. We're no longer enemies to him. We've been actually adopted into his family. Do you know someone who's been adopted? Maybe you've been adopted. Ephesians 2.19 says, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints members of the household of God. That is incredible. And here we are. Week after week, Sunday after Sunday, we gather together as God's people. It's good here. It is good here. I'm glad to be here. Bethany, just like so many other local churches out there that are meeting even right now, it's a refuge for, for people, God's people who now live in a world that they can't call home anymore. It's a refuge. We gather here and we say, oh, this is a little taste of what home is going to be like. It's going to be so much better than this. Hey, you're discouraged right now. Hey, remember, you got a, a, your new home we're all going towards. We're all headed that way. That's good. But you know, Bethany's more than that. Bethany is a good place for people who don't even know Jesus yet. People who are still out there, still freaked out, still worrying, still they don't have the hope of Jesus Christ. And our youth groups are doing that, our children's ministries are doing that, our men's women's ministries, all kinds of ministries, our schools are places where people who don't know Jesus are sending their kids and getting connected and getting loved on with quality education here. The kids are being cared for. Bethany's a good place for them too. Bethany is good for this community that we find ourselves in. We have people right across the street over here, right over the wash over there, past the schools over there, this way, over here, who don't know Jesus. They have God's people here 
who were supposed to be salt and light, who were supposed to live like Jesus, who were supposed to bless others. And that's good for them. In 2020, we came to know what it's like to be separated, to be alone, to be isolated, hanging out with your friends and family, maybe coworkers, through a computer screen. That doesn't quite do it, does it? It's not quite what we need. We've felt the strain of quarantine. We've become keenly aware of what it's like to be so close and yet so very far away. It's been sort of like a famine, kind of like a famine. It's not that we've run out of food. It's just that we see that we don't have that time together the way that we once had. And we've come to realize that relationships are maybe far more important than we ever thought. Togetherness is crucial for our survival. Community, it's not just a nice thing to have, it's vital to our health, to our survival. We're not made to go it alone. We need each other. God's word tells us that. In fact, it commands us to gather together in Hebrews. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, some, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Together is how we grow. Together is how we are encouraged It's how we're equipped and empowered and and how we get excited about living the life that Jesus has called us to live. We cannot stop meeting together, cannot stop that. In fact, we're supposed to do it more and more as we see the day approaching. What is that day? That's the day of Christ's return. It's coming. Every breath that you breathe is another moment closer to when Jesus returns. As we see the day drawing near, we're supposed to be gathering together, meeting together more. Man, with the way things are going in our world right now, doesn't it feel like that day is getting closer? Feels like it's closer than ever before, and guess what? It is closer than it's ever been before. That is exciting. That is exciting. That's why this year, in 2021, we, the people of Bethany Bible Fellowship of Orange County, as we're officially known as, are committed to making togetherness a priority. Our focus this year is on building community. What has been stripped away from us, we're determined to get back. And not only that, but to go even further. We don't want to just restore the sense of community that we had before, that we've lost. We want to build it even stronger, bigger, and more vibrant than it ever has been before. So how do we do that? Share with you just a few things real quick, a few ideas that we've had. You might actually have more ideas. Let's talk about them. We want to build community together this year. First of all, we want to build community by being intentional about making opportunities to gather together. Yes, we'll, we'll do that safely. We know how to do that now. There are safe ways to do it, just like we're gathering together safely right now. But we'll do it together. 
The pastors and staff, we've created this calendar, and you'll see it in your annual reports. It has several different key things on there that are together kind of community-building activities. It's not business as usual. They're a little different. It's kind of shaking things up and maybe even ruffling feathers a little bit, but that's okay. We want to build community here by being intentional. And so some of these things are are big things, and they're going to take a little prep, and they're going to take a little planning. Some of them are just simple, small gatherings after church. I'm excited about a barbecue that we're going to just throw out there, or this picnic that we're going to do. Bring your own lunch. Boy, that's kind of rude, isn't it? What if someone has a better lunch than me, and I'm going to feel bad? Who cares? Gather together. Let's play some games. Let's just talk together. I'm excited about Vacation Bible School that Joe has been putting together. This is going to be a wonderful opportunity for us all to come together and love children together and point them to Jesus Christ. There's even a beach bonfire night that's coming up where we're going to roast hot dogs and do s'mores, and it's going to be kind of a youth group campy. Uh, We'll tell stories. We'll sing songs. We'll pray together. It'll be a good time together. The list in your booklets, that's just a start. Be looking for men's, men's ministry opportunities, women's ministry opportunities, all sorts of different opportunities to be together. And I encourage you, step out and be a part of those. I, I used to have kids at youth group that would come up to me, and, uh, or their parents would come up to me, and they'd say, you know, we just don't feel very connected. We don't feel very connected and, and not, not very plugged in. And then I would say, well, you know, um, if you don't come to anything, <laughs> how are you going to feel connected? Sometimes it takes not waiting for the invitation. It just takes you just stepping out and saying, I'm here. (laughs) What are you going to (laughs) do? Are you going to say hi to me? (laughs) I'll say hi to you. Let's be intentional about gathering together. Technology is another one of those ways. Joe shared with you this this church app thing. It's not the end all, but hopefully it's going to be one of those things that's going to help me so that when I'm out there uh, and I need an email address or a quick phone number, I can can connect with people better, and that should allow you to do the same. We're also going to have our events on there. You're going to even do registration on there and just click and say, yes, I'm coming. I'm in. Uh, Structure. We're going to be building community by taking a a look at some of the crucial components of our church. And in particular, we're going to be updating our constitution. We're going to be adopting a more biblically-based model of leadership, transitioning from deacon-led to elder-led. And if you've been here for through the summer, you heard some sermons on that. You can go back and look at those again. We're going to be making membership more meaningful here so that it's more than just gathering once a year and casting a vote. Being a part of a church is so much more than that. We're going to make membership really meaningful. Campus-wide, we're going to be building community by continuing to make improvements to our campus. One of those things is to make a central location that when anyone comes on campus, that's where they are greeted. That's where they get information on where to go. We don't have that right now. We have, we've had a problem the past few weeks is UPS or, or Amazon or whoever comes to deliver a package, no one knows where it goes, and it disappears, and well, it, it's over there, it's behind that car over there. Like, what? It doesn't make any sense. We need that central place so that when visitors come onto the campus, they see, oh yes, I go to these, this nice area right here, and I'm greeted by a warm, friendly face. That's going to help build community. We also want to build community by creating a fellowship plaza here so that people can come and gather and sit and talk, disciple each other. Parents from the school can do that. Pastors can sit down with, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, we, finally, we wanna build community 
by extending an invitation for others to join us. And this is where all of us come in, right? Let's be continually thinking about who we can bring into this. Because like I said, this is a refuge here. This is such a good thing that God is doing here. It would be wrong not to invite others to be a part of that. And, and, And think of, as you go through your daily life, whatever it is that you like to do, whether it's dirt biking or building model airplanes, whether it's cooking or whether it's crafting or whatever it is you do, be thinking, how can I bring someone else into this and invite maybe just one person so that they can connect with me? We often think very, too little of ourselves. We look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, well, I don't even know if, I, you know, if God really loves me. No, he loves you. Open his Bible and you'll see that he loves you. Not only does he love you, he has made you an adopted child of his family. And people need to know you. They need to be connected with you. I know for introverts, it is a very hard thing to to get out of ourselves, but the reality is, if we hide this, if we put it back in a cave behind closed doors and don't get out there and interact, something's not right. And so, let's let's be intentional about taking little steps to make ourselves available to others that they might have an opportunity to be connected with Christ. The four men, back to those four men. They hit it big, so big. They had more than they ever dreamed of. They had food, they had shelter, they had treasure. Beyond belief, when the excitement finally subsided, one of them realized something's missing here. Something's not right. We need to do something about this. Verse 9 of of chapter 7, they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we're silent and wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore, come, let us go tell the king's household. And the takeaway, I think, is this. Those who have been given good life-changing, eternity-transforming news can't keep it to themselves, can we? We can't keep it to ourselves. If we do, we're we're either among some of the most despicable, (laughs) selfish people on the planet, or we really don't understand what it is that we have. This year, like never before, we want to build community as we extend the invitation to others to come be a part of that community. And we'll be extending that invitation to our schools, as Dawn said in the first hour. We're not going to talk about ourselves as Bethany Bible Fellowship or BCA or BCP. We're going to talk about ourselves as Bethany because that's what we are. We're Bethany. And when we do events or whatever, we're just going to say, Bethany is doing this. Come, be a part of it. Most importantly, we need to join together in unashamedly, enthusiastically, and relentlessly extending an invitation to everybody that we know. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. My friends, you and I are the laborers. 
We're the ones that have been called to get outside of our homes and share the hope that we've been given. No matter how young or how old you may be, no matter how rich or how poor, no matter how active or out of shape you might be, no matter how outgoing or introverted, we need to be extending an invitation. Will you do that with me this year? Will you build community with me this year? And like Jesus urged his disciples, let's pray for for each other and pray to the Lord that he sends out more laborers. The world knows, God knows the world needs it. People need those laborers right now. They need hope. And that's how we want to land this Vision Sunday, by coming to the Lord in prayer and calling on him to work. So I've invited just a few of our, our leaders to come up here. They're going to come. I'll move the mic back wherever I put it. And uh, they're going to lead us in a quick word of prayer. And then, uh, and then I'll come up right after that and lead us in communion. And then we'll, we'll land this morning. Sound good? Okay. Come on up, guys. Thank you, Jared. As we enter this time of prayer, bow with me. Holy God, you are an amazing God. And it is so easy to focus on the negative in 2020 in this last year, Father, but there has been so much good and we are thankful. Holy God, you have given us this facility so that we could go outside and worship you and have our voices heard by neighbors that have never even paid attention to us before. We are grateful that we had the place to go, Father, the place to continue to come together and worship you as you desire to be worshiped in love and thanksgiving, lifting up our voices. Father, there, the message has been heard and preached because technology exists. When we couldn't even gather for a time, Father, or even last week, technology exists that we can use now that we would have never had the opportunity to before so that the word, your message, could be preached in a mighty way and touch our hearts. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for for the workers here. Everything has become more difficult, Father, and yet we have the workers who are willing to give with with a gracious heart, who bring things together, Father, who, who make the sound work and make everything work, from building to changing and moving things, Father, so that we can come together and worship you. We are so grateful, Father, for a pastoral staff who deals with every change that happens every week. Lord God Almighty, you are an incredible God. Help us to continue to focus on the positive, Father. Help us to continue to praise your holy name. We are so grateful. Lord God, we are grateful. There is just, there, there is only hope in you. And it is an awesome thing. You are, an, you are an awesome God. Lord, thank you for giving us vision for the next year. Empower us to go for it, to execute, Lord, without fear. We have you. If you are leading us, what, what do we have to fear, Lord? And Lord, help us to sing your praises because there's, there's just, There's nothing better than what you bring. And when we get to see what you do, Lord, it's just an awesome, awesome thing. Anyway, Lord, I just lift up our next year. 
we look forward to, to how, how you will lead and guide and empower us, God. And yeah, we are, we are just thankful and we are grateful. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you that we have one of the most ripe mission fields right here on our campus every day, our schools. And we thank you for the vision that this church has to support missions, both here on our campus and abroad in other countries, that you've given us the ability to do so through faithful giving and that we can reach out, not even on our own campus, but across the world to spread the, the, the message of you and your saving grace. We thank you so much, Father, for all the people that, that work in furtherance of bringing people to Christ. That's our job. We should be salt and light. And over this next year, I would just ask you to encourage each and every one of us individually to seek out at least one person and tell them of the saving power of Jesus Christ. We love you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name.